All right, all right. Okay, okay. What is up, Barry Buddies? LJ Talks. Facts are here. Because with the facts, like always, of course, hope you guys are enjoying your Thursday afternoon. I know that I am. This is my AEW Dynamite review. And I really enjoyed AEW last night. And last night, they, I just checked the ratings. They drew 975,000, which, to be honest, it's a little bit of a drop from last week. Because I believe last week was 993,000. Apparently, the show on MTV and what's called the contest. Something like that is a pretty good draw. It's a pretty good show, I heard. So, or the challenge, whatever the fuck it's called. So, I guess AEW's got a little competition there. But still, it's still a good rating. So, I'm not complaining. And for Rampage, you know, they drew 740000 on Friday. Last Friday. And that's not that bad because, you know, they're in that time slot at 10 o'clock. It's, you know, whatever, to be honest. Nothing to do about it, so... You know, I think eventually they will hit a million when a certain somebody debuts or a certain somebody's like CM Punk and Daniel Bryan or Brian Danielson. Brian Danielson, I should say. But it was a great AEW Dynamite. We're a couple weeks away from All Out. Next week it'll be Milwaukee. Last night I was in Houston. We know Rampage tomorrow will be in Chicago, the United Center. But yeah, AEW was good last night. It was a great episode, much better than last week's. Last week's was... It was decent, to be honest, I would have to admit. You know, I look back on it. It was a decent episode. The card was kind of weak, but this card was a whole lot better. You know, we started off with John Moxley and Eddie Kingston coming out. I'm like, okay, we're going to get a talking segment to start off Dynamite. We usually don't get that. That's pretty weird. It's very rare that it happens. You know, usually we get to the talking, you know, after the first match. So I'm kind of like, all right. So they're making their entrance, John Moxley and Eddie Kingston. They get attacked by 2.0 and Daniel Garcia. And I'm just like, okay, what the fuck? You know, it's like it's payback for them beating them a couple weeks ago. That's fair. Because, you know, we have a Texas Tornado tag between 2.0 and Sting and Darby Allen. So, 2.0, you know, Matt Lee grabs the mic, gets in the ring. You know, so we just took out your boys. You know, come out here right now. Let's get this, get this over with right now. Let's do this. And then Sting and Darby Allen both... Well, then... Well, <laughs> Sting came out first. They didn't come out together. But Sting, who's 62 years old, wrestling his first match on TNT since 2001. The last ever match in WCW history on TNT where it was Sting versus Ric Flair. Now fast forward 20 years later, Sting's in a tornado tag team match with Darby Allen and 2.0. That's something right there. I don't think Sting would have ever thought in his wildest dreams he'd be wrestling on TNT ever again. So that was a really cool moment right there. You know, Sting, who's 62 years old in his second match in AEW, or I'd say his third match in AEW, like his second match that's not a fucking, uh, how you say, um, um, how, how you say, I'm trying to think, oh my gosh, I can't think of the word right now. Like, not pre-tape match, like fucking, um, oh my god, I can't even think of the word right now. I can't even think of the word. Holy shit, I gotta look it up right now because I can't even think. Hold on a second. Oh my gosh. Give me like one second, guys. I'm trying to think like of the, the word. Let's see. I'm looking like at the evil Uno tweet from like when Undertaker and AJ Styles wrestled. Oh my goodness. Where the fuck is it? Oh my god. Why can't I did this before? I couldn't think of it. Cinematic. I didn't even have to look at it right there. There we go. Cinematic came to my mind. Like where Sting's first match in AEW was a cinematic match. There we go. I couldn't even think for a second. I'm like, what's the word? So yeah, 
his second match that wasn't cinematic. So, and we saw Darby Allen in the ring as his entrance music was playing. He attacked Daniel Garcia with the skateboard. Sting came in, attacked 2.0. And I got to admit, you know, it was a good match to start off Dynamite. It was kind of short, to be honest, you know. I expected the match maybe to go on a little bit longer. So it was a short kind of match, but I enjoyed it. I thought it was fun, you know, seeing what Sting is doing at this age, you know, at the stage of his career. It's 62 years old. He looks pretty good. He looks better than fucking Goldberg, obviously. And he's older than Goldberg. He looks so much better. Like, he was moving pretty good, you know. He hasn't skipped a beat. He's He's been in great shape his whole life. I'm not saying that Goldberg has been, hasn't been. Goldberg can't wrestle, obviously. Well, he never really has been able to. But Sting moved pretty good. That's why, like, Eric Bischoff was right. Like, you know, this is why Sting draws now. And Goldberg doesn't because Goldberg hogs the spotlight. Oh, but Sting's hogging the spotlight from other people. But he's elevating Darby Allen. He's making him better. He's helping Darby Allen's career. He's not trying to fucking bring him down. He's not costing him matches. He's trying to help him. And he was there for most of his TNT title run helping him. Oh my goodness. Do you not understand that? Do you not know what you're watching? It's like, you know, you marks just don't understand. You really don't. But I enjoy the Texas Tornado Tag match. They were fighting all over the arena. Especially when they fucking bashed Darby Allen's head. The fucking ceiling. I'm like, whoa. It's like, goddamn, I thought like, it knocked him out. But it didn't. And I was like, holy shit. I mean, Darby's taking... <laughs> Darby's done a whole lot worse than doing that. I think, he, I think he'd be okay. <laughs> probably didn't even hurt him. He's probably just like, oh, I'm good. You could throw this guy in front of a fucking bus and he'd be fine. He'd get right back up be like, oh, I'm good. Like, this guy's just, like, unreal. That's why he's my favorite in AEW. He's just an unreal fucking wrestler, man. He's unreal. Like, he's just, he's crazy. Gotta love him, though. You just gotta love him. And fucking... Like I said, Sting had a great performance, especially when Darby Allen fucking... was on the fucking rail, walking on it. And he landed on everybody well, except Sting. And then Eddie Kingston came out and attacked Daniel Garcia. Made it even right there. So now it's officially just a tag team match. There's nobody else going to interfere. You know, and then they were fighting and fighting. And then Darby Allen outside the ring got suplexed onto his own skateboard. I was like, holy shit. That's got to fucking hurt. And then Sting was fighting off 2.0. And there was a table set up. And they picked him up. And then, boom, powerbomb. To fucking sink to a table and he got right back up. He no sold that shit. Was beating at his chest. Went right after 2.0. Darby Allen gets back in the ring. Sting gets a double scorpion death drop and then puts him in a double scorpion death lock. And they both tap out and Darby Allen and Sting get the W over 2.0. A better match than I expected. Because I'm thinking, okay, 2.0 is a little bit green. To be honest, because I didn't watch, I never watched, you know, NXT TV, maybe like once or twice, like I said, back in like 2016. So I really didn't know who these guys were until they came into AEW this month. And Tony Khan announced that they both are all elite, 2.0. Nothing Daniel Garcia just yet from the last time I checked, but I'm sure, you know, he'll be all elite pretty soon. And I like 2.0. They're pretty good heels, loudmouth heels, especially Matt Lee is definitely a loudmouth heel, and I like him. You know, he looks almost like if Jimmy Hart can wrestle in a way. He just looks a little bit like him. You know, maybe it's just me that sees that. that that's fine if it is. That's just what I see. But um, 
But no, better match than I expected. Way better match than I expected. And Sting, no selling that shit. That was a great moment. But Sting's been doing that for years. And I see all these people complain, like, oh my god, he just no sold that. Because Sting's been doing that for fucking years. Do not watch wrestling. I'm 21 years old and I've watched old clips of wrestling, what Sting has done in the past. Like, you're just saying shit because you hate AEW. You're not even, like, using your mind. You're not using common sense. I mean, most of you marks don't. You don't even know what common sense is. Because half of you don't have brain cells. You know, it's, it's a sad sight. Nothing you can do about it. But, oh, my God. You're getting a guy who's 62 years old in the ring putting on a fucking great match right here. And you're complaining. And you people are begging for Sting to get back in the ring. Like, oh, want WWE to do something with him. And his run with WWE, like I've mentioned plenty of times, was awful. And how they did him. He should have beaten Triple H at WrestleMania. He should not have faced Seth Rollins. Even though it was a great moment for me when he returned the night after uh, SummerSlam in 2015. It was awesome. It was great. I'd never seen Sting live before. And that was great. But it should have never happened. They should have just had Sting beat Triple H at WrestleMania. And then wait a whole year to bring Sting back. And he would wrestle The Undertaker. That's it. And then however else you want to do it, then okay. That's how it should have been. Plain and simple. I'm sure if Sting didn't get hurt against Seth, then he would have wrestled The Undertaker. I'm pretty sure he would have. And again, I don't know who had the pull right there in the Triple H Sting match. I don't know if it was Vince that had the pull right there. I don't know if Triple H did. I mean, I don't know. I really don't know. But my God, you guys are complaining. You know, you guys should be happy. Be happy right here. Sting put on a great match. Oh, 2.0 is buried. 2.0's just gotten to AEW. How are they buried? They've only had two matches on Dynamite. They've only had two matches. They're not buried. Give them time. They just they're, they're they're new. Oh my god, guys, you guys really don't understand wrestling. You really don't. It's really sad. You know, he and I gotta do this every fucking time and explain it to you guys like your little children. And most of you just look for fucking attention because you just, you know, because I know your mother and father didn't hug you. You know, enough when you were kids, so you go to Twitter and look for attention and spew nonsense because it makes you feel better while you're in your fucking basement with no fucking life, with no fucking pussy and fucking no job, and you're just a sad, lowly mark. I'm a mark, but at least, you know, I know I'm doing good for myself. So, fuck you. Simple as that. <laughs> God, you give me a microphone, I could do a whole shoot promo. Like, holy shit. Get me... Jim Cornette and Dan Lambert all in the ring together. We'll do a fucking... We'll have a fucking stable right here. We'll have a trio right here. We'll just cut shoot promos on everybody. Fuck. I would love that shit. Even though me and Jim have different views on AEW. And I respect the man. I really do. Just tell him like it is. But, um... Getting to the next thing right here. We saw a wholesome moment here in AEW. Sammy Guevara is engaged to his girlfriend Pam. And we've seen Pam... On the uh, Sammy Guevara vlogs, for those who've watched it. Very beautiful girl. Very funny as well. Especially when that fucking idiot, what's his name, uh, Donovan Dickhead, called Sammy Guevara a jobber. He's like, a jobber in AEW stole my finishing move. And they fucking roasted the shit out of him on Sammy Guevara's vlog, where Guevara was just up as Bane, and Pam was like, oh, you look like that You look like that guy from Monday Night and it cut off. <laughs> or she said, at first, you look like a jobber. I was like, oh, shit. Well, look, I mean, look what Sammy Guevara's done in AEW, and look what Donovan Dickhead's done. Sammy Guevara's main in a pay, he's main event in a pay-per-view, got the main event win in a pay-per-view. What's Donovan Dickhead done? Has done shit. So, why don't you talk shit to, buddy? Just saying. Because when you get fired from the Fed, 
Where are you going to go? You think AEW's going to take you? No, I would slam the door in your face and say, nah, go work on the indie scene. Go fuck yourself. Impact will take you. <laughs> Stupid moron. But yeah. <laughs> fuck it. I hate him so much. I really do. It's not even funny. He's such an idiot. And him saying ratio and everything. Just grow up, buddy. Like, you know, please. You're not, what are you, a brain dead 12 year old? I mean, well, you, um, you have the brain of one. Well, you're brain dead, so you don't have a brain then. You're an idiot. So what the fuck? <laughs> but no, back to it. I go so I go so off the walls. I know it's crazy. I'm sorry. I just do. Oh, fuck. Don't get me started on TNA with fucking Hogan and Bischoff. Cause fuck. Oh my goodness. Um. But no, it was a wholesome moment though. You know, Sammy Guevara, and you know he's now engaged to his girlfriend Pam. She was at ringside for his match between Sean Spears. So Sammy Guevara versus Sean Spears. And like I said, great moment for Sammy. Great moment. That was awesome, especially it being in his hometown, Houston, Texas. It made it even better. So that was a nice, wholesome moment right there. Nobody should complain about that. Nobody should fucking say shit. That's a nice moment right there. Be happy for them. Don't be an asshole. All right? Be nice. Like, shit, be nice right there. Don't fucking complain. Be like, oh, what the fuck? Like, okay. I saw one person on Twitter saying, oh, I wish the worst for them. I'm like, seriously? Are you really just jealous because nobody loves you? Fuck out of here, man. But, you know, this has been building up for a long time between Sammy Guevara and Sean Spears. It's been building up ever since, you know, the Pinnacle and Inner Circle feud started. So it's been building up for a long time. But now, we, five months later, we finally got the match. And I got to say, it was one of the best matches I've ever seen Sean Spears in. It might be his best match. Actually, well, no, because match with Bobby Roode at TakeOver in Toronto in 2016 was really good. So maybe his second best match, because that match with Roode was pretty good. His whole main roster run was just whatever. But um, the match with Roode was good, though. Um, but no, he put on a great performance with Sammy. He really did. It was a great, fun match. The hometown kid right there going against Sean Spears, you know, the evil villain. You know, before the match happened, Sean Spears attacked Sammy Guevara from behind. And they were brawling a little bit. Sammy Guevara did a fucking huge dive on him. And I was like, what the fuck? And then Sean Spears and Tully Blanche both did, like, a combined, like, pile driver onto fucking Sammy before the match started. And they tried to do it again when the match started. And Aubrey Edwards kicked out Tully Blanchard. He was pissed off. So it was just a one-on-one match between Spears and Guevara. And they had a lot of nice spots in this match. Fucking... Guevara doing the cutter from the top rope. And Sean Spears doing the C4 from the top rope. And fucking Sammy Guevara doing like a driver onto the fucking railing they had like on the fucking... Um, on the ring right there. And then Sammy doing the splash. And then he hit the... What was it? The G8? Something like that. Is this finisher called? Like the GTH? Is that what it's called? I believe it's called the GTH. Not the GTS. <laughs> I understand that reference. But Sammy hit his finisher... One, two, three, and Sammy Guevara gets the win for Sean Spears. Big win, big win for Sammy. Because Sean Spears is a veteran, so that's a big win. That's a big win for Sammy. Sean Spears made him look really good. You know, Sean Spears, he's not a bad wrestler. He is a good wrestler. You know, character-wise, he has no charisma. Didn't have any charisma in WWE. You know, NXT, when he was in NXT before the main roster run, not as much, to be honest. And here in AEW, I mean, Tully... Has tried to help him. The Pinnacles tried to help him. He just has no charisma. He doesn't come off with any type of charisma. You know what I mean? It's just like, it's like, eh, it's like blank. Like, he's just there. 
Like, he's very vanilla when he talks. But wrestling-wise, he can put on a good match. He's a very underrated worker in AEW. He's one of the most underrated workers in that company. He really is. He's like, he's like, he's like old reliable. Okay, you need a good match with somebody? He made Joey Janela look good on Dynamite. I mean, sort of Darby Allen, you know, later on, too, when they wrestle one-on-one. You know, but Sean Spears is not a bad wrestler. You know, talking-wise, eh. Not, not the best guy to cut a promo. Because he can get torn up by just anybody. He can get torn up by Marco Stun if he talked on the mic. Just saying. You know, I like Sean as a fucking... I like him as a wrestler. You know, ca- you know, talking-wise, eh. Not my favorite. Not my cup of tea when he talks. That's just, that's just me, though. All right, so then we get to... We saw Christian Cage backstage. A new Impact Wrestling World Champion with Tony Schiavone. You know, Don Callis interrupted and Christian Cage told Don, told Don, wow, told Don Callis he made good on his promise, you know, and now we look to all out, you know, and Christian Cage said, I'm in Kenny's head, and Kenny doesn't even know it, because Christian Cage beat Kenny Omega, that was the first time Kenny Omega was pinned in a long fucking time, I think the last time Kenny got pinned wasn't like against, I don't even remember when the last time Kenny got pinned, it's been a long time. Because didn't Pac make him submit it all out two years ago? So it's been a long time since Kenny Omega's been pinned. Especially on Dynamite. Well, that was, it was Rampage. Excuse me, it was Rampage. Or just AEW TV, I should say. That's a better way to say it. Like, what the hell? <laughs> it was crazy. Um, but yeah, and of course, Don Cow saying, oh, you're finally going to have that five-star match. I'm on top of the wrestling business. You're just, you know, having wrestling matches. That's another guy, Christian Cage, another underrated worker. One of the most underrated workers of all time. I mean, listen, when TNA made him a top star, they did. And AEW's treating him the same way. Because I think, um, I don't know who brought up, somebody brought up, like, you know, Christian Cage was always reliable. If you need a good match, you just put, you put Christian Cage against anybody. I don't remember who said that, though. Somebody said it. I don't know if it was... Was it Jericho? Maybe it was somebody. I don't know if it was a wrestler. Maybe one of like... Maybe, I don't know who it was. I don't remember who it was, though. Who said it. I don't really remember, actually. It may have, it may have been Jericho, but I'm not too sure. But then, you know, Christian Cage again called Don Callis, you know, a carny piece of shit, and he walked off. But I'm looking forward to the match at All Out. I'm looking forward to it, you know. You know, part of me does want Christian Cage to win the world title. But it's going to be Hangman. I know you could say... Oh, but then Hangman could be Christian Cage. But no, Hangman has to beat Kenny. And Kenny Omega retained the AAA championship against Andrade last Saturday. I was pretty surprised about that. So I was like, okay, that was a little bit surprising. I didn't see the match. I didn't order it. Um, you know, I didn't watch it at all. But I heard the match was good. Uh, Kenny retained. You know, I was a little bit surprised. But I'm like, all right. But yeah, Hangman, Hangman's the guy to beat Kenny. That's just how it's going to be. It's not going to be Christian Cage. It's just not going to be. I just hope there's no BS ending with uh, Christian Cage and Kenny at all out. Most likely there will be, but hopefully there's not. So then we, we saw Dan Lambert return. So he comes out and he brought Junior Dos Santos and Andrade Ovalosky with him, former UFC world champions. And he issued a challenge to anyone in the AW locker room. And he tore everybody apart. He was talking about cancel culture and the fucking millennials. 
this guy was, whoa. That was a great promo by him. You know, saying, oh, like, oh, you cancel culture millennials, get all upset, you know, you get all triggered when you don't get what you want or whatever he said. He was just going off. Like, I was like, oh, shit. Damn, he's right, though. That's how I feel about cancel culture and everything. Like, fuck. Dan, God bless you, my man. Listen, get get corny on the phone. Let's all fucking go out sometime and get a drink. God damn. Oh, my goodness. Love it. I loved it. It was great. Like, oh, my goodness. And he was just going off. Then Lance Archer came out. He was going to go after him. I went after the fighters as well. But then all legal Ethan Page and Scorpio Sky attacked Lance Archer and took him out. So I guess... All Eagle, Ethan Page, and Scorpio Sky have an alliance with Dan Lambert. That's a little bit, you know, intriguing. You know, I don't know if I like it too much. Like, the two guys right there, I think, could have handled themselves against Archer. They're both, they're, they're both former UFC world champions. So I think they could take Archer. I don't think they needed help from smaller guys like Page and Sky. I mean, I guess you could say it's, well, then it'll be four-on-one, whatever. It's more of an advantage. But I think you could just have Junior Ovalowski take on Archer one-on-one. I think they could handle themselves pretty fine. I think they can. But it's intriguing. We'll see what happens next. Uh, the next match was for the AEW World Tag Team Championships. We had the Young Bucks, Matt and Nick Jackson, the AEW World Tag Team Champions, versus Jurassic Express, Jungle Boy, and Luchasaurus. And, man, you don't know how badly I wanted Jungle Boy and Luchasaurus. Wings. I brought it up last time in my last review that, you know, Jungle Boy has been in so many big matches from Cody Rhodes to, you know, Darby Allin to Kenny Omega. It's like this has to be it right here. He's got to win right here. You know, he's got to win. It's a big title match right here for the tag team titles. Him and Luchasaurus can have a great run. You know, I'm thinking to myself, Jungle Boy loses. He's got to, like distance himself then probably because Jungle Boy is going to be a great singles wrestler he's so young he's like 22 23 something like that you know he's going to be a future world champion I think he still has the most singles wins on a on Dynamite or a single or just like as a wrestler in general for AEW like yeah not just Dynamite like Elevation just regular Dark you know and all that shit um he's going to be a future world champion it's like I really want him and Luchasaurus to win. I think to myself, are they the guys to really beat the Young Bucks? Like the Young Bucks are going to lose to a team, maybe like the Lucha Bros or Santana Ortiz. I still fully believe that the Young Bucks are going to drop the AW World Tag Team Championships to Santana and Ortiz at the uh, Grand Slam. AW Dynamite Grand Slam next month on the 22nd. I'll be there. It's going to be fun. Can't wait. Got my tickets. I think I mentioned that. Last month that I got my ticket, so I'm ready for that. That'd be really cool. I'm going the week before as well in Jersey. So going back to that week's the Dynamite. It's going to be fucking great. But yeah, I believe Santana Ortiz are the guys. Some people have brought up the Lucha Bros. That makes sense. That makes sense. That's that's fair. But it should be Santana and Ortiz. But it was a really fun match. This match was great. It was, I think I would have to say it was the best match of the night. There were a lot of great spots this match. Like, Jungle Boy was doing great. This was the best I ever saw Luchasaurus. And I, I'm, a, I'm a big fan of Luchasaurus. You know, I liked his match with Wardlow last year. You know, he looked really good in this match. He went, he legit went all out in this match. He really did. And this was a rematch from All Out uh, last year where the Unbucks won. 
So you have to think to yourself, is history going to repeat itself? Well, in the end, it did. I mean, this match was so cool, though. It was really good. You know, Jungle Boy continues to impress me. And I can't say he's never won a big match because he did beat Dax Harwood back in January. And they put on a very good match that was praised by a whole lot of people. Because it, was, it felt like an old school kind of match. That's like what Dax Harwood and Cash Wheeler both are. You know, an old school tag team, which I love. And Jungle Boy, you know, he has some old school like to him. He does. He doesn't just do flips and whatever. He's, he can be a good technical wrestler or an old school wrestler. Because he's got, he's got the skill. He's got the talent. I did hear. I did see one thing that he doesn't like to talk. Well, if you're going to be world champion, if you're going to be world champion, Jungle Boy, I mean, you got to talk. Or if he becomes TNT champion or any type of champion, he's got to speak for himself unless you give him a mouthpiece. You know, kind of like how Brock Lesnar has had Paul Heyman all these years, even though Brock's not bad on promos, which is like, you know, whatever. But I guess you give him like a mouthpiece. You could always do that. You could always do that. Maybe you give him Don Callis in the future, if that makes any sense. I don't know if it does. But they could figure it out. They could always do that. Or imagine you give him Dan Lambert. Whew. That'd be great as well. I mean, I don't know if that makes too much sense, but... You know, I think, yeah, I could see that happen. He'll have, like, a mouthpiece in the future, and that's fine. That's fine. Not everybody could be good at promos. It's just how it is. There's always going to be somebody that's not good at it. Hopefully Jungle Boy improves from it. Um, but yeah, it was a great tag team match, though. I really enjoyed it. It was great. It was fun. It really was. Best match of the night, I have to say. Luchasaurus, again, looked great. The moves that he was doing, the double choke slam, it was like, wow. Him flying on all the elite, and then we saw Kenny Omega come out and attack Marco Stunt. God bless you, Kenny, for that. Took him out right there. He put the chair in the ring, and you're thinking maybe history's going to repeat itself from Rampage where the Young Bucks cost Kenny. And... Kenny almost cost the Unbucks here. Because Jungle Boy, what did he do? Like a brain buster, I believe it was on... It may have been on Nick, I believe. And the referee had his back turned for like a second, and then he turned he turned around, one, two, and I believe it was Nick that kicked out. And then they did their finish with the Jurassic Express on Matt. And then Nick Jackson got involved right there at the two count, right after two, got right in there. I was like, fuck, I literally slammed my couch. Like, I literally hit it. I meant to I meant, like, I hit my couch so hard. I was like, fuck. I literally said, like, fuck. Damn it. I was pissed. I was like, right there, I knew they weren't going to win. I was like, no, come on. I want to see these guys win so bad. I, wanna be, I really just want to see Jungle Boy win. Come on. And they went back and forth and back and forth. And then, you know, then Jungle Boy was going for a roll-up. And then Nick got in and was able to help Matt. And they hit the BT trigger on Jungle Boy. And that was it. One, two, three. The Young Bucks retained the AW World Tag Team Champions. And I should say... After Kenny hit Marco's stun, I forgot to mention, Christian Cage came out and he speared Kenny, and they brawled back, they went to go backstage to brawl, and I was like, really? Like, after all that shit, come on. I mean, the Unbucks didn't cheat to win. They didn't. They didn't do anything dirty to win. They tried. It didn't work. So they did win clean. I was like, oh, my God. Well, like I said to myself, you know, they, they weren't the guys. It's going to be Santana and Ortiz. I still say it to this day. It makes sense. They've had great matches in the past, so it makes it makes a whole lot of sense for it to happen. And people are going to go crazy for it. Like, would Jungle Boy and Luchasaurus draw as a tag team? I don't know if they would. I mean, yeah, they're very loved by the people, but how long would it take for the people to get bored of them? Because like I said, Jungle Boy, 
like he said, he doesn't like to talk, and he he can't really cut a good promo. You know, you know what I mean. Luchasaurus, I mean, his promos have been whatever. We're gonna have Marco talk. I mean, it just—I don't think they would draw as a tag team like Santana Ortiz. Those guys can talk. The Lucha Bros have a mouthpiece in Alex Abrahantes, so there you go. He could speak for them. So that makes sense. You know, I still say the states can be Santana Ortiz. It's gonna be them. Great match though, and then we saw Doc Gallows go after Christian Cage. You know, helping Kenny threw him in the ring. And they were beating down Christian Cage. And Kenny Omega, you know, knocked him out with the one-winged angel. And Kenny and the elites, you know, they stood tall. They stood tall here on Dynamite. So then we did see... We did see Paul White come out. Actually, I should say before that, before Paul, before the Paul White and Tony Schiavone said, we saw Tony Schiavone backstage with... Dr. Britt Baker, DMD, the AEW Women's World Champion and Rebel, and uh, the new, and the new, um, how you say, you could say like enforcer, I guess you could say, for Britt Baker, Jamie Hayter, who made a return to AEW on Rampage last Friday. It was the first time we saw her on AEW TV in two years. Whole different look. Looks very good. A lot of people thought she was Becky Lynch. You know, at first I thought to myself, was, was that her? But it wasn't. I was a little bit puzzled, like, wait, wait, who? who's Jamie Hayter? I don't know who that is. But, you know, she did wrestle Britt Baker in Pittsburgh two years ago, and then she wrestled in the tag team with Emi Sakura, and she, I think they, who they wrestled? Was it Riho and Britt Baker or something like that? Or I don't remember who Riho's partner was. Um, but, yeah, you know, she made a challenge to Red Velvet saying, well, let's fix that attitude of yours next week. So, okay, Jamie Hayter versus Red Velvet. That's that's interesting. I'll take that match. All right. Cool. I'll take it. Let's see how that goes. You know, and Britt Baker was talking about Chris Statland. We know they're setting up for Britt Baker and Chris Statland for All Out. And I'm all for it. And I'm still saying to this day right now, the one that's going to be the throne, that's going to dethrone Britt Baker for the AEW Women's World title is going to be Thunder Rosa. Because I believe Thunder Rosa is going to win the Women's Battle Royal, Cena Women's Battle Royal. At All Out, and she'll challenge Britt Baker, like, maybe at full gear, I would say. That's what I would say. And I'm all for that match. Because I believe Thunder Rose will win, and then Thunder Rose will drop it to Jade Cargill in the future. We'll get to Jade Cargill a little bit later on. But now let's get to the Paul White and Tony Schiavone segment. So Paul White comes out, and Tony Schiavone thanked him for last week for helping with the factory and helping his son. So that was, you know, really nice. And Paul White said he had a huge announcement. And then the factory came out. It was QT Marshall, Nick Camarado, and Aaron Solo. Still no Anthony Agogo. You know, he's recovering from my surgery. So I hope that he gets back in the ring pretty soon. And then, you know, QT Marshall, you know, like, tried to expose Paul White, you know, by showing pictures on the uh, the Tron or the screen, whatever you want to call it, of, like, you know, like, the uh, devices that have been put into Paul White's hip. He's had five surgeries in the last 18 months. He had a 14-inch scar. I was like, gee, when I saw that scar, I was like, Jesus. Because Paul White's been trying to do everything the last two years to get back in the ring full time. Five operations, I mean, and he's getting older too. You know, I know he wants to have one last run where it all started, which is great. You know, I, I, I prefer I prefer not to see him any world title matches. That's just, that's just how I feel right there. I don't want to see him in any big world title matches. That's how I feel about that. Why is it every time I come out here, it's like 
always got people riding their stupid fucking fast cars and revving up their stupid engines. Oh my god, I might just better off doing it inside, probably. Oh my goodness. But, um, but yeah. You know, Paul White said he wasn't embarrassed, you know, at all. He's not embarrassed at all. And at All Out, Paul White said, I have a match. And you want to know who my opponent is? It's going to be Paul White versus QT Marshall. So Paul White's first match in AEW will be against QT Marshall. And I thought to myself, okay, QT Marshall is going to be on a pay-per-view. How is this match going to be? Well, it's going to be great to see Paul White. Is the crowd going to be into it? I don't know if they're going to be. I mean, they'll probably be like, okay, it's Paul White's first match in a long time, okay. But against QT, it's like, uh, uh, I'm not too invested in this match. I'm sure Paul White's going to win. You know, they did say, like, they're going to set up, like, him versus Shaq for the Grand Slam show. Because, you know, they were trying to set up, you know, Shaq versus Paul White for a long time. Especially when Paul White was big show in WWE. They tried to set it up, but... And people said Shaq wasn't taking it seriously. What I think it was is Shaq didn't like... It had to be something with Shaq and Vince. That's just my opinion. Like, maybe Shaq wanted to have, like, you know, creative control coming in. And maybe Vince wasn't giving it to him. Maybe maybe Shaq didn't like the ideas that was, you know, brought to his attention. That's why it's different with AEW. Because in AEW, everybody has creative control. That's why it was better for Shaq to have a match in AEW. You know, where he had more control right there. You know what I mean? And he took it very seriously. He absolutely did. So I think him and Paul White could make it work out here in AEW. People have been wanting that match. It's not... You're going to have your random people be like, always ask for this. People have been asking for this match since 2016, ever since Shaq appeared in the Andre the Giant Moral Battle Royal. So don't tell me that nobody's asked for this match. People have been begging for this match to happen. Have, have I been begging for it? I haven't been begging, but I would love to see it. You know, such as seeing Shaq's performance back at the Crossroads uh, Dynamite on March 3rd a few months ago. I'm very down to see this match. Very down to see it. I wish they would have set it up in a way right there, but what are you going to do? Nothing to do about it there, but I'm down to see that match. We'll see what happens, though. So, and also, speaking of Jay Cargo, like I mentioned before. She will be facing Kira Hogan, who's had, um, she's was recently in uh, TNA or Impact Wrestling, whatever. She's not there anymore. And recently she's had matches on AEW Dark Elevation against Hikaru Shida and Chris Statlander. And it's announced for AEW Rampage, the first dance, it'll be Jade Cargill versus Kira Hogan. I'm like, all right, man, I've never seen Kira Hogan wrestle. And like I said, I don't watch Dark, I don't watch Dark Elevation, so this is my first time seeing her in the ring and gets Jay Cargill. We haven't seen Jay Cargill on AEW TV in a while other than Dark and Dark Elevation when she's cut promos on Dynamite. So at least now she'll finally have a match. I'm like, all right, cool. Down to see it. Let's see what, let's see what happens. And then we got back and Tony Schiavone announced that there will be a tag team eliminator that involves the Varsity Blondes, Brian Pillman Jr. and Griff Garrison, Private Party, Isaiah Cassidy and Mark Quinn, the Lucha Brothers, Ray Phoenix and Pentel Sotomayor, and Jurassic Express, Jungle Boy and Luchasaurus. So they'll all compete in a tag team eliminator, and the winners will face the AEW World Tag Team Champions, Matt and Nick, the Young Bucks, for the AEW World Tag Team Championships in a steel cage match at All Out. 
That's a big announcement right there. That's huge right there. Like, all right, let's see how that turns out now. And again, we were backstage and we saw Andrade El Idolo give Pac a list of his terms for their match at All Out. And Chavo Guerrero Jr. wished the Lucha Bros good luck at their tag team eliminator, but he reminded them that they won't ever be tag team champions under Pac's leadership. So that'll fire up the Lucha Bros. That definitely will. Um, they didn't say what the terms are for, you know, for Pac for his match with Andrade at All Out. So probably we'll probably find that out either on Rampage tomorrow or, you know, on Dynamite next week. So we'll see about that. I'm looking forward to that Eliminator. That's going to be great. Tag Team Eliminator. It's going to be fucking great. Can't wait to see it. And the next match here on Dynamite was Thunder Rosa versus Penelope. Was super bad. Penelope Ford. And I guess this match started off a little bit slow. Uh, Penelope Ford did botch a little bit starting off the match. And she's still... Like, I don't want to, like, hate on Penelope Ford because she has had some good matches in AEW. She still moves kind of slow in the ring. But her and Thunder Rosa had a, a decent match, I would say. I wouldn't say it was good, but it was decent. Thunder Rosa is one of my favorites, you know. Actually, well, <laughs> other than Britt Baker, Thunder Rosa is one of my favorites or could be my favorite. I, I love Thunder Rosa. Very beautiful. Love her. She's amazing. And she's, she's going to be the one to beat Britt Baker. I'm telling you right now. She's going to be. If she's not, well, then we've got a problem. I'm just saying. Um, but, you know, like, this match was decent. Like, I tried to get into it. Like, towards, like, the end of the match, it started to pick up. It was like, okay, it was getting good. And Penelope Ford, you know, she has a really good submission hold, though. Because she's extremely flexible. So she has a really good submission hold. Put it in twice. Thunder Rosa didn't tap. And then Thunder Rosa put a submission hold of her own. Um, Penelope Ford, she tapped out. So Thunder Rosa moving up in the ranks. Still with that win right there. It's a big win over Penelope Ford. That's huge. Penelope Ford's been on a good roll. Been on a great roll recently with Dark and Dark Elevation from what I've seen. So good match. I enjoyed it. Or I said decent match. Not good match. Decent match. I did enjoy it though. So I said towards the end of the match, I enjoyed it. So it was something. And then we did hear from the Redeemer, the TNT champion Miro. And, you know, he didn't like the whole thing with Fuego del Sol. So he doesn't forgive Fuego del Sol. And Miro's whole new gimmick is, like, after he beats you, he forgives you. So he's forgiven everybody else he's beaten. Like, you know, Dante Martin. You know, even before, like, Darby Allen, who he beat for the TNT title. So Darby Allen, Dante Martin, Lance Archer, Evil Uno, Brian Pillman Jr., Lee Johnson. But he did not forgive Fuego del Sol. Because he did not like the way Fuego del Sol got his contract in the cheap way. Because the whole stipulation was, you know, Fuego del Sol has to beat Miro to get a TNT. Oh, my God. Get a, get a TNT contract? Really, LJ? Oh, my goodness. So, what the fuck? Can't even talk right there. Miro, let me start it back in. Jesus Christ. It's going to be like Psycho C. Let me do that over again. Um, <laughs> um, yeah, Miro was saying to Fuego, like, he didn't like the way that he won. Or he, oh, my goodness. What the hell? I'm botching again. Miro did not like... How Fuego took the cheap way out. Because the whole stipulation was if Fuego wins against Miro for the TNT Championship, he didn't have to even win the title. He could have won by disqualification or countout. He would have gotten an AEW contract. So obviously Fuego lost to Miro. But after the match, Tony Khan and Sammy Guevara came out and they gave, or Tony Khan sent Sammy Guevara to give Fuego del Sol an AEW contract. So Miro just didn't, he didn't like that. So he's not going to forgive Fuego for that. That's something. But then Miro said, Eddie Kingston, 
The Redeemer wants to talk. Oh boy. I seriously hope they save Miro versus Eddie Kingston for the Dynamite Grand Slam show. Because Eddie Kingston, he's from New York. He's, he's from around where I'm from. Oh my God, I would love to see Eddie Kingston win the TNT title at the Grand Slam show. I'd be so happy. Him and Santana Ortiz both winning championships that night. I would fucking love it. Please, I hope that happens. And we'll get to what's coming up on Rampage and uh, and uh, Dynamite after we're done with talking about the main event. So now let's get to the main event. MJF versus Chris Jericho. The fifth labor of Jericho. So in this in the stipulation for this match is Jericho cannot come out to his theme song Judas and he cannot use his finisher, the Judas Effect. So after MJF made his entrance, the whole crowd in Houston was singing Judas. No music at all. The crowd was singing Jericho to the ring and it was beautiful. One of the and I gotta be honest, it was one of the best entrance, it was one of the best entrances I've ever seen. Because there was no music. None. It just shows you how Chris Jericho is still over in 2021. And yeah, he's done a whole lot of goofy shit. He did a whole lot of goofy shit last year. Which was kind of like, okay, it's getting kind of stupid now. I mean, I get to try to make him, like, the inner circle. They're trying to make them, like, a comedy group. It just didn't really work for a while. It really didn't, so. And they were doing some stupid shit, let's be honest there. I, I you know, and. I'm a Jericho Mark. Jericho's my all-time favorite wrestler, so I was kind of, like, cringing at a lot of the segments he was doing. I'm like, fuck. Um, but, no, it was great to see the crowd sing along. And I got to be honest here, because Jericho and MJF faced off at full gear last year in November on pay-per-view. That match was decent. This match was very good. This match was way better than their pay-per-view match way better I was kind of surprised they put this on free TV I was kind of surprised I was very surprised at that but MJF and Jericho put on a very good performance I really enjoyed it Jericho looked really good it was the best that he looked out of all the labors he looked very good in this match he didn't look burnt out because last week or the last couple weeks I should say Jericho looked very burnt out this week no he looked great you know, still a little bit out of shape, you know, if I mentioned that before. But he looked good in this match. He really did. Like I said, didn't look burnt out at all. He looked good. Gotta be honest there. Gotta be very honest there. And MJF fucking grabbing the camera, flipping off all the fans, and Jericho was right there. Punched him, punched the screen, and knocked out MJF, and he flipped him off. That was pretty funny. That was pretty funny right there. And then seeing Jericho hit a picture-perfect line saw later on in the match. Because I remember when he botched that line saw in the main event of Dynamite back in January. And everybody was, like, was questioning Jericho, saying he should retire. Like, why is he doing this still? And then a week later, he had a picture-perfect one on fucking Brian Pillman Jr. He was fucking smiling at the camera saying, say what now? But that was a great line saw right there on MJF. It was perfect. Just like when he did to Brian Pillman Jr. back in January. It was beautiful. But it didn't get the, it didn't get the job done. The match goes on. It was a great performance, like I said. MJF was going after the injured arm. He hit his finisher, the Heat Seeker. I thought that was it, but Jericho kicked out. 
And eventually Jericho got him in the walls of Jericho. Or, you know, he was trying to, but MJF got out of it right away. MJF didn't really hesitate, got out of it, like, right away, escaped it. It was too easy. And distracted Aubrey Edwards, kicked Jericho low, and then MJF put Jericho in the walls of Jericho. And Jericho's trying to get out of him, thinking, what if Jericho taps out to his own move right here? Like, what the fuck? He eventually got to the rope, and then Jericho was near, like, the other side of the ring apron on the corner. And MJF went to the other corner, put the, put the ring on, Jericho grabbed the bat, grabbed Floyd, Aubrey Edwards noticed the ring, took it away, she wasn't looking, Jericho hits MJF with the bat, and then he was going to go for a Judas effect, but he stopped himself, and you could say, oh, but Aubrey Edwards had his back turned, here's the thing right here about psychology and wrestling, if Jericho hits that Judas effect right there on MJF, you could, again, you could say, but Aubrey Edwards was not looking. You know, she wasn't looking at all. And you could say, oh, but John Moxley wasn't supposed to hit the paradigm shift on MJF at all out, but he did it. Because John Moxley and Chris Jericho are both different wrestlers. Moxley's character wouldn't give a shit. Jericho has integrity with his character. So he's not going to, you know, go against the rules unless if he's a heel. But he's a babyface. And then Mox, of course, has been a babyface his whole AEW run. But the point I'm trying to make is it's just they're two different people. You know, and you could have said they could have checked the fucking... They could have checked the replay at all out, but they didn't do that. But anybody else from the pinnacle could have came out and said, no, check the replay, he hit the juice effect, he, he loses. But that didn't happen right there because Jericho stopped himself. It's all a psychology right there. MJF got into his head. Because Moxley, it's a different story. Again, Moxley's character is just different. You think Moxley's character is going to care? He sees an opportunity, he's going to take it. Jericho's different. Because he just stopped himself, and then MJF hit his own Judas effect on Jericho. And then he put him in the salt of the earth. And then Jericho tried to roll him up for a pin, didn't work. He was still in the salt of the earth. And MJF was really tightening that grip, pulling Jericho's arm back. And Jericho tapped out. Right as JR said, I've never seen Jericho tap out. Two seconds later, he taps out. I gotta tell you, when I was shocked, because I was like laying down and watching this match, I literally like stood right up. I was like, holy shit, MJF just beat Jericho. He beat him clean. He actually did beat him clean, though, when you think of it. Because Jericho tried to cheat, and that didn't work. You know, well, he did him with the bat. But he didn't go for the juice effect. He didn't play it dirty. You know, it was a whole psychology right there. It's all like mental right there from Jericho saying, oh, fuck, I can't do that. You know, but MJF made him tap out. I couldn't believe it. I was literally stunned. I was like, holy shit, MJF really just beat Jericho. And I see, you see, people have been begging young talents get put over for the last few years. We know WWE's had a lot of trouble putting over young talent in the last few years. AEW does it with, with fucking MJF and you see people are complaining. Oh my God. I'm like, AEW just put over a young talent MJF. You know he's going to be a future world champion. What does Jericho get out of beating MJF? He gets nothing out of it. This is now the third time MJF has beaten Jericho. He's 3-0. He beat him at full gear. He beat him at full gear to join the inner circle. 
he threw him off. He made the inner circle. Um, what, he made him forfeit because Adam Jeff was going to throw Jericho off the cage, but he did it anyway. And then MJF now beats him clean on dynamite. Made him tap out. So he's made he's pinned him. He's made the inner circle forfeit on, on his behalf. And he's made him submit. This is a young talent, MJF, who's was he 24, 25 years old? Very young talent. He's gonna be a future world champion. He's gonna be the next world champion after Hangman becomes world champion. Because I believe MJF will be the guy to beat Hangman. Because they've had history. So that makes sense. There you go. Why are people complaining? I guess you could say the ending of the match was kind of like, okay, like why didn't Jericho do hit the juice effect? Because he wasn't supposed to. And again, his character is different from Moxley. Like, you have to understand that. But why are you complaining and young talent's getting put over? You guys have been begging young talent to get put over for years with the other company and they haven't done that. And AEW has constantly done that. They've created new stars like MJF, like Darby Allen, like Jungle Boy, and so on and so on. And you guys are complaining, like, enough with the bullshit. Be happy. Wow, MJF just got the biggest win of his career, you would say. Even though it was a full year. Well, this time, he beat Jericho in the main event. You could say, oh, but the Blood and Guts match was the main event. But it wasn't one-on-one. It wasn't one-on-one. This time, it was one-on-one on Dynamite in the main event. And MJF beat him, made him tap out. You usually don't see Jericho tap out. I don't know the last, I don't know when's the last time he did. Oh my god, guys, you guys are complaining. I mean, Jericho did the right thing. They did the right thing by putting MJF over. Because again, what does Jericho get out of beating MJF? He gets nothing out of it. It makes MJF look bad. And maybe this is the end of Chris Jericho. I don't know. I would hope that it's not. Because Jericho proved that match against MJF. He still has a, a little bit left in the tank. I don't know. Who knows what's next? Who knows what's next for Jericho now? If this match was like, oh, if Jericho loses, he has to retire, then probably Jericho would have won. Probably Jericho would have won then. But who knows? But now let's look to. Let's look to Rampage for this Friday. So Ramp on Friday at Rampage, we have Private Party, Isaiah Cassidy, Mark Quinn versus Jungle Boy, and Luchasaurus, Jurassic Express, and a tag team eliminator. So we'll see who moves on there. I believe Private Party is going to win. We got Jade Cargo versus Kira Hogan. And in the main event, we have John Moxley versus Daniel Garcia. And possibly, we'll see a debut. Will it be CM Punk time? Will it be clobbering time at AW Rampage the first dance? Maybe. I'm not going to be watching uh, Rampage live, by the way. I want to mention that to you guys. I'm going to be at the Yankees game tomorrow with KMGJ. So I know I'm going to see spoilers. Either people are going to be very happy or people are going to be very pissed off. But I'm going to watch it Saturday, either Saturday morning, Saturday afternoon. And can we talk about I'll talk with you. I'll talk about with you guys either... Saturday or Sunday. And next week on Dynamite, we have the Varsity Blondes, Griff Garrison, and Brian Pillman Jr. versus the Lucha Bros, Ray Phoenix, and Pentel Cerro Miedo in a tag team eliminator. We'll see who moves on there and who will face either Private Party or Jurassic Express in the finals. 
We have Red Velvet versus Jamie Hayter. We have Orange Cassidy versus Matt Hardy. We did see like Matt Hardy was saying, you know, he's gonna he kick the ass of Willie Yuta. Chuck Taylor, Orange Cassidy, and Orange Cassidy, oh, big money Matt Hardy says he can kick my ass. Let's see if he can. So we'll see that match next week. That'll be interesting. And we also got Malachi Black versus Brock Anderson, Arn Anderson's son. You know, I did predict this match, but I thought it was going to be on pay-per-view. But no, they're doing it on Dynamite. And before, you know, we saw backstage, we saw Arn Anderson like, trying to plead with his son Brock, saying, you know, this man's been all over the world. He's experienced. You've only had a few matches. And Brock said to his father, he said, you know, I know what you're trying to say. I, I get what you're trying to say. But I'm not asking you for this match. I'm telling you I'm going to do this match. So that would be an interesting match. I mean, is Malachi going to squash Brock? He very much could do that. But I think we'll see Brock be a little bit competitive during this match. I have to believe he'll be a little bit competitive. I don't think he's going to get destroyed. So I would hope Brock's competitive. But I think the main event next week will be the Varsity Blondes versus the Lucha Bros. I would hope that it is because... Red Velvet versus Jimmy Hayter, I don't think, would main event. You know, I don't know how that would be. If it was on Rampage, probably, but Dynamite, I don't think so. Um, in Orange Cassidy versus Matt Hardy, eh, yeah, that could be, but uh, I, I wouldn't buy into it, probably. Malachi versus Brock, that could main event. But do you really want to see another squash? Because it potentially, I'm hoping that it's not a squash, but potentially it could be. But I hope that the Varsity Blondes versus the Lucha Bros is the main event. That's crossing my fingers and hoping for it. But all right, guys. I hope you guys enjoy this episode right here. And I will talk to you guys either Saturday or Sunday to review AEW uh, Rampage, which is uh, tomorrow. I might actually talk to you guys a little bit tomorrow because, you know, we actually, no, I will talk to you guys. I will talk to you guys tomorrow, actually, because we have to talk about Joel Embiid because Joel Embiid got a contract extension from the Philadelphia 76ers. So I'll give my thoughts on the contract and what the future looks like for the Philadelphia 76ers going forward. So we'll actually talk tomorrow. That'll be like, that'll be way before I go to the game. That'll be like early, that'll be like late morning, early afternoon. So that's plenty of time tomorrow. So I'll talk to you guys tomorrow about that. And of course, this weekend we'll review AW Rampage's first dance. All right, guys, thank you for listening to this long episode right here. Hope you guys enjoy the rest of your night. And I'll talk to amazing people tomorrow. Whether it's late morning, early afternoon, whatever it is. I'll talk to you guys tomorrow. Love you guys. Have a great night. Talk to you tomorrow.